Hello, Digital Cathedral family. Brace yourselves for an awe-inspiring journey on Don Keithley's podcast. Take a seat, find your comfort, and let's plunge into the heart of the divine. Here's the uplifting August 20th message titled, Tapping Freedom Through Truth, a feast for your spirit. Good morning, everybody. Glad to have you with me once again on this Sunday morning. Hope you're strapped in and ready to go. We're going to move into some things this morning that I'm I'm pretty sure that most of you are ready to hear, to encounter. It might be this might be a new thought. A lot of these thoughts might be new to many of you. In fact, I would encourage you, this one of those teachings that I would like for you to go back and listen to a second or third time. The the first time when you listen this morning, if you're a note taker, don't take much note. Don't take many notes. Just drink it in. Then if you want to go back again and take some notes, there's three, four, five, six points in here that I think are worth sitting on the back porch and meditating. If you can catch this message, if you can catch this teaching, if you can understand it, I can teach it, but you got to understand it. So the spirit of truth needs to open up our eyes this morning, I think, to some dynamic, powerful truth. And this is one of those one of those areas that have changed Changed my life, changed my perception uh, on on a number of things, and we'll get into that this morning. I want to start over in the Old Testament. Don't don't pass out. I want to start in the Old Testament with uh, two verses of Scripture from Isaiah. And I'm just pulling this out of the Old Covenant, out of the Old Testament, because it just kind of illustrates what we want to say. And then, of course, we'll go to some New New Testament Scriptures as well. Uh, Once again, let me... Let me remind you that the Spirit of Truth is our main source of understanding, main source of revelation. I do use my Bible a lot. I'm not one of those that have thrown my Bible out in the trash. I value my Bible. I read my Bible every day, uh, and it points me to Jesus. When you see Jesus in the Scripture, then you ponder that Spirit of Truth then comes and begins to enlighten you. At least that's the process for me. All right. Now there are times that he, I'm just driving on a road and, and things will just rise up in my spirit, and that's great. I love, I love it when that happens. You know what I'm talking about. But a lot of times, as I, I read or even read another book, I think there are other books just as inspired. Don't shoot me now. That are just as inspired as Scripture. I can read a book by Malcolm Smith uh, or Steve or Baxter and John Crowder, and man, things just lift off the page and, and are totally illuminated to me. Maybe not even in the area that the book is reading, and that's how the Spirit of Truth works. You can be reading something, and out of left field, he'll just reveal what he wants to show you at that time. So we're going to look at some deep things this morning. So I encourage you, don't just drink it in today. This first time through at the Digital Cathedral, I want you just to drink this in not be concerned about the technicalities of it, and then come back and, and peruse it through the second time. You know, I, I spend probably, in all honesty, probably 20 to 25 hours in preparation for the Digital Cathedral on Sunday morning, and I can't expect you to catch it in 45 minutes when it's hitting you cold. So a lot of these things I've thought about, I've pondered, I've meditated, I've taken before the Father and said, Father, rise up, show me. And, and he is faithful to do that. So I, I've spent a lot of time in this this week. And as I've gone through it, it has quickened to me even on a deeper level. So I'm going to teach it, and I want you to understand it. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 5. 
Isaiah chapter 45, verse 5 says, I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no God besides me. I will gird you, though you may not know me. Boy, that's a powerful revelatory. You could take that one little phrase right there. I will gird you, even though you don't know me. Aren't you glad this morning that he girds you, protects you, and, and gives you understanding and grace way beyond your understanding? Now, he, he continues to give us more, but I, that, that's such a good promise right there. Verse 6, that they may know from the rising of the sun to the setting that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is absolutely, unequivocally, no other. Now, I, if we're going to walk as sons on the planet, and many of you are just manifesting so beautifully, I mean, you're really coming out. If we're gonna if we're gonna walk as sons on the planet, if we're gonna tap into the level of understanding, consciousness, and perception that we are on this planet, even as he is, first John 4 17 says, as he is so are we in this world, if we're gonna move into that groove, if we're gonna move into that level of understanding, then there is an absolute truth that Isaiah points out very clearly. I don't think you could say it any better. That's why I used Isaiah. And the truth is this, Isaiah just hit it head on. There is only one God. There's only one power. There is no other. Now just let that settle in. Because I know immediately in your mind you're thinking about all these other powers that have, and I'm going to deal with that this morning, big time, big time, big time. There is only one God. There is one power. Isaiah got the revelation, and he said there is no other. Now, when this one power, this God, Emmanuel, came to us in flesh form, he said, the truth will make you free. But it's a particular kind of truth. He said, the truth will make you free. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. That was a declaration. That was not a suggestion. That was not uh, up for debate. He just that that is just a statement he flat out made. I am I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Right? And that just ties right back into Isaiah. There, there absolutely is no other. So this morning, what we're going to really get into is the simple fact that if the truth sets you free, then you are free. But the question is, what are, are we free from? The answer to that question is we are free from everything that is contrary to truth himself. That means we're free from sickness. There's no sickness in him. The one power, the only Lord, there's no sickness in him. There is no poverty. There is no fear. There is no sorrow. There's no depression in him. When he sets you free, you are free from those things. And can I tell you this morning, you're free. You're absolutely, you're absolutely free. So you're, you're free from anything that would come into your life. And it always comes from an external, external avenue. You're free from anything that tries to present itself as a competing power. So my question this morning, one of the, one of the questions I've gotten, I probably got a lot of questions this morning. My question is, are you free from those things? Or have you empowered that which has no power and that has kept you in bondage. Now, let me, just, let me say that again. Are you absolutely free from things that are contrary to truth himself, or have you empowered through your focus, 
through your attention, have you empowered those things that have no power, and as a result, it has kept you in attention, in, in bondage, kept you in retention, kept you not where you want to be in life. So let's dig into this. I want to be very practical this morning. I want to make a couple of points. Point number one this morning is this. We talk about the omnipresence of God. That's one of the three attributes that we that we ascribe to God. Who it, There is no other. There is no other power. There's no other Lord. There's no other source. And we say that he is omnipotent, he's omniscient, and he's omnipresent. I want to just explore omnipresent for just a minute. Now, that, the understanding of that, I think, is growing exponentially in the sons and the daughters of God that are manifesting on the planet. We're beginning to get a deeper level of understanding. And when you look back at your time in church, your religious days, you were probably taught, yeah, the Father is omnipresent. But here's what we meant by that. And, and maybe you still need to flush some of this out of your understanding, flush some of this out of your consciousness. We believed that the Father was omnipresent. What, what we meant by that, and this is kind of the way I taught it, is that the Father was here, he was there, he was everywhere, except he might not be where I am right now. Now, I could, so what, what would I do? I would, I would call for him. I would beseech him. I would pray to him and ask him to come to where I was. And, you know, he just might show up. We did that before every service. We gathered in the prayer room. I gathered with the elders, the, the pastors that I had on staff, and we would pray. And our prayers would center around this. Father, we ask that your presence be with us in this service. Father, we ask that you would go with us. Father, I ask that you, you teach this message. I ask that you, you come in and show up. Show, show yourself strong this morning. Show up. We ask for your presence. And many times in our, in our consciousness, he would show up. He was, he was nearby. We knew that he was nearby. We knew that he was omnipresent and that he, and he just might show up. And there were some services after we were over. If you ever hear this, Man, God was here this morning. Boy, God, the presence of the Father was here. We prayed that he would go with us on vacation. I did this every year. You know, I, I've, I've told you that back when, we were, when I was a pastor that the church would send us on a sabbatical to a beach house in Florida one month out of the year in June. Susan, my wife, was, who's a school principal, got out of school. We would pack up, head to Florida. It was such a time of refreshing. But before we started the trip, we drove to Florida from Houston. And before we ever started the trip, before I backed out of the driveway, I would say, let's just pray that God go with us, that he be with us as we travel, that he, that he would keep us safe. Let, let's just ask him to, to go with us. All right? that, or or some, maybe you were in a habit, and I've done this many times, until I really got a revelation of the things we're talking about this morning, I would start every day and I'd say, Father, I ask you to be with me throughout the day's activities. We prayed and we asked him to be with us. We prayed and asked him to go with us. Not with the, not with the understanding I have, that was like praying that the air we breathe go with us. The air that we breathe is already where I'm going before I ever get there. The air that I breathe can't help but be with me because the air surrounds me. The air automatically goes where I go. Now, sometimes when we prayed, now here's where the catch was. Sometimes when we prayed to get him to come to where we were, it required spiritual warfare <clears throat> because we felt that the powers of God and evil powers would square off. 
that sometimes there was this battle that was going on in the heavens that was over us or in, in the territory that we lived in. And so we battled and we pushed and we moved into and and we felt that if we could just be diligent in our prayers and, and sometimes in our spiritual warfare, that, that we could we could make a difference. He was always there. But there might be forces, other powers that were trying to hinder him. And so we we prayed for Here's what we prayed. We prayed for a greater power out there somewhere. Now, we know that God's not out there somewhere. He's right in here. The kingdom is within. But somehow we had this visualization that we would ask a greater power to come and defeat this lesser power. There was God and there was sickness. Both were powerful. Both had powers. We felt there was God and poverty, spirit of poverty, spirit of sickness. All kinds of unpleasantries, and most every unpleasantry, we assigned a spirit to us. And when we looked at those things, we almost felt like, man, this sickness in God, they're almost equal in power. And so if, if we could just pray, we, we held the deciding vote. That's how I felt many times throughout the years. I held the deciding vote. The outcome depended on me. The outcome depended on how well I could argue my case, how well I could bind up spiritual forces, principalities, powers, dominions, how well I could battle through that. Then, if, if we did sense his presence, see, now we said he's omnipresent. I, I taught that for years, omniscient, omnipotent. But his presence was like, like this fog that would move in and move out. But once I sensed his presence in the, and I sensed that the, the, whole, the Spirit of God was there, we wanted to make sure we didn't mess up because we felt, man, that, that this Spirit is fragile. If, if we are disobedient or we, we do something wrong, he, he could just, he's hypersensitive. He can't be around sin. He can't be around disobedience. And we would be careful that we don't what did we call it? Quench the spirit. You ever hear that? Want to be careful we don't quench the spirit because he might, might leave. And really we got that from, from Psalm 51. This, this again, listen to this. <clears throat> David says, do not, cast away, do not cast me away from your presence. Now how are you going to say that God is omnipresent if you can be cast out of his presence? David didn't have the revelation you have of his omnipresence. But when, when religiosity looks at that verse, it establishes the fact that he, his presence can come and go, it can leave, it can, it can stay. But David is saying, man, don't, don't, don't let your presence escape me. Now, this is, this is in Psalm 51 when he's doing this prayer of repentance. And, you know, David got himself in a lot of messes, but grace of God, love of God, mercy of God always was with David. Here's the thing, our consciousness sometimes feels separated, but your consciousness doesn't rule you. It's nice to have a consciousness that is focused on the things of God. So he says, don't cast me away from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. So eyes are opening that, that it's in the book, but I'm going to tell you something, it's not accurate. That is not true. He cannot, he will not, he cannot. How can an omnipresent, how can an omnipresence withdraw himself from any place? Now, eyes are opening and we're beginning to see his presence is completely filling every atom, every, every molecule of my being. He has been, 
He is, and he always will be fully present in the moment. You, you cannot exist outside of his presence. It's absolutely impossible to exist outside of his presence. I like the way that David put this in a capsule. Very simple, easy to understand scripture. Paul said this, Colossians 3.3. He said, you died. You died. That means you died to every, everything that's around you. All you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. What made Jesus so absolutely powerful is he, was, he always was aware, he was conscious, had a perception that the Father was always with him. He, he, matter of fact, he said that. He said, Father, I thank you that you're always with me. You always hear what I'm saying. He said, I'm, I'm going to pray this prayer so it'll help the people around me, but I know you always hear me because you're always with me. And Jesus passed that along. John 14, 20, Jesus said, man, I want you to know that in, in that day you're going to know something. You're going to know that I'm in the Father and that you're in me and that I'm in you. So the Father, the Son, the Spirit, and you are all meshed into one, and you cannot come out of that. I don't care what they told you down at the church house. You cannot. I'm telling you this morning, you cannot come out of his presence. It's absolutely impossible. David went through a scenario in Psalm, said, if I'm here, he's with me. If I'm there, he's with me. If I dive to the depths of the earth, he's still with me. Digital cathedral, that's an absolute unchangeable truth from which there is not, nor will there ever be any variance. That's just his character. That is absolutely who he is. Now, in John chapter 8 and verse 32, let's take this down a level. Point number two, Jesus said the truth will make you free. Point, Point number one this morning was... We talk about the omnipresence of God. We need to get a real revelation of what that omnipresence is about. And I know you're getting it. Your eyes are opening to that. So you don't have to pray before you go on a trip that he go with you. He's already gone with you. He can't come out of his presence. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. I want you to get aware of that. I want, you to be, I, want you, I want that to be your perception. I want, I want you to make that a conscious understanding throughout your day. Throughout your day's activity, just stop and say, Father, I'm so glad you're always with me. You never, you, your, your spirit, it's impossible. I know you're here. I might not feel it, but my, my feelings are going to change. Feelings are subject to so many variations. But once, once you begin to get your focus on his presence, your feelings will follow. And that's a wonderful thing to be able to just in a minute's notice know that he's right there with you. All of a sudden, you're facing a circumstance you didn't realize. You don't, you don't have to stop and pray and get on your knees and say, I'm going to fast supper if you, if you just go with me. No, you don't have to do any of that because it's an absolute fact. You cannot be outside of his presence. You cannot escape omnipresence. All right, John chapter 8 and verse 32. Here's where Jesus lays it up. John chapter 8 and verse 32. Is that what I said? Yes, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and you shall know the truth. Boy, you're getting to know more and more and more and more and more more truth. This is real special. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So point number two is this. Jesus said the truth will make you free. Just accept that. Just drink that in this morning. Say, okay, I I believe that. Truth's going to make me free. Now, he prefaced it 
And this is, this is what it swings on right here. Here's the hinge. He said, you shall know the truth. And once you know the truth, it will make you free. It's, it's the, you know why we were never free before? To the extent you're free right now is because you did not know the truth to the level that you know it today. That's a, that word know is a, is a really important word. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It's actually the, the Greek word genosko. And what it means, it's, it's not an intellectual understanding. It's not just getting, wrapping your head around it. It's a lot deeper than it. It's, it's the same word that Mary used when she asked the father. She said, Father, how can these things be seeing that I do not know a man? The word there is genosko. Same word as Jesus used in John chapter 8, verse 32. It's an it's a intimate knowing. It's a knowing that comes by revelation. Mary was saying, Father, you're going to have to give me a revelation. You're going to have to give me understanding on this because I have not been intimately acquainted, intimately involved with a man, which is the normal reproductive process, right? So she says, how can this be? I have not known. I've not been intimately involved. So Jesus said, there is truth that's going to set you free, but it's a truth that you have been able to pull into yourself. Truth that when you go within, automatically it springs forth. That's a powerful, man, that's powerful truth. It's revelatory. It's, it's knowing what you didn't know before. And all of a sudden it springs on you and comes by pondering, comes by meditation. Uh, it can come by as you read scripture, read the book, that's fine. But it's not, it's not limited to that. It's not limited to that. It's, it's divine truth. It's truth that's been revealed to you. Um, John chapter 14, verse 6. I should have kept my Bible open here. John chapter 14 and verse 6. Je Jesus says it another way, and I've probably already quoted it this morning, but let me just lay it down for you once again. John chapter 14 and verse 6. I'm almost there. John 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. It's the, the same word for truth. I am the way. I am the truth. I, I, it's the same word that Mary used, and it's the same word we just read in John chapter 8, verse 32. It's the word genosko. We used to get a lot of head knowledge, but we never got free from head knowledge. We thought if we could just get intellectual understanding, and so we'd read and study and try to drink, drink, drink more into our minds, but it never set us free. When, when, when the light comes on, when revelation hits, I'm going to tell you something, every particle of darkness has to go. So this truth is a powerful truth that we talked about this morning that will set you free. This intimate understanding of truth, and may I say it like this? It's an intimate understanding of truth himself. It's not a concept. It's not a theory. It's a person. Jesus said, I am. This is me. I am Genosco. I am the revelation. I am the truth. And this truth is going to set you free when you get to know it. Free from everything that is contrary or not in agreement with truth himself. Anything in life that does not align itself with truth himself is a non-power. What, what did Isaiah say? One God, one power. There's none beside him. Evil, darkness, 
and death are not entities. They're not entities. They're not real things. They're a lack of knowing truth. This whole area of immortality, people are beginning to, to understand what Jesus said is that immortality would be swallowed up. What's it going to be swallowed up in? Revelatory truth. Revelatory truth. When, you, when we get a grasp on, on that there is no sickness in him and that his healing is all that surrounds me inside and out, not just an exterior, but, it, but, it's, a, but it's a complete infilling. The truth, genosco, is, is not, it's not an outward. It's, it's, it rises. It, it illuminates. It becomes something that you see clearly. When you don't know the truth, you perish. That doesn't mean you die. Doesn't mean you die. It means that you have become disconnected in your consciousness from the omnipresence and the power of your source. You're, you're disconnected. It's not, not that he's left. He can't go. But you, you break the connection, right, when you don't know the truth. So this truth we're talking about is extremely important. And there's, it, it only comes from one source, one power. There's only one Lord. Peter said it like this, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. He said, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That was, that was used as an evangelistic verse to get people to come to the altar and pray the magic prayer. It's not what it's about. He, Peter was saying, God is not willing that any should walk in this level of consciousness where they feel disconnected from the one power. He said, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should metanoia, change your mind, go in the other direction, absorb the truth, and as you do, you're free. You're free. You can walk in that truth. So when I encourage you to spend time alone, when I encourage you to sit on the back porch and just ponder, these are things you can ponder. These are things that will spring you into this truth that will set you free. So when you repent, you don't ball and squall down to the altar and tell God you'll never do it again. You turn and go the opposite direction. So instead of going the direction of sickness, now you're going the direction of health. Instead of going the direction of poverty, now you're starting to go in the direction within of prosperity. Instead of depression, now you're getting the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. Are, are you following me? Everything that is good, acceptable, and pure is, is truth. That's what truth is. Truth, in, in effect, truth is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, long-suffering, goodness. All nine fruits of the Spirit that's the truth that we need to have illuminated. That's the nature of the Father himself. So if, if good is not being experienced, if you're experiencing something in your life that is contrary to the nature of the one God, the one power, then what you're suffering from is a lack of truth, of genosco, of intimate understanding of revelatory truth, a lack of health, a lack of finances, fear, insecurity, death, all those things they are lies that truth will set you free from. Now, here's what I've discovered in my life. Once we recognize the lie, it becomes powerless. I went for a long time. I couldn't understand why I wasn't harassed by what I used to call the devil. 
And I spent hours in spiritual warfare. I've told you before, man, I was a warrior. I was, I was on the wall. I was a watchman. I was looking out. I was coming against, binding, cast down, drawing bloodlines. Man, I, I was in hip deep. I would, I would shake my fists, stomp my feet, pray loud, push in, <laughs> come again, all that stuff. When I got a revelation of grace and the fatherhood of God, when I began to, when truth began to set me free, I noticed that um, I didn't enter into that spiritual. I didn't. I didn't give power to that which has no power. And so when I recognize that the enemy was a lie, Jesus recognized it in the wilderness. Come on now. When, when, when those thoughts came to him, he immediately dismantled them with truth. Man shall not live by bread alone, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Oh, now he was, he, you notice he wasn't troubled with that again. It didn't come back, didn't harass him again. He went through the, that period of being led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and he went through this, these, these mental attacks. I believe they were all in the mind of Jesus, legitimately. But the book says that when he came out, he came out in the power of the Spirit. It was in that time in the wilderness that he began to recognize fully the lies and he neutralized the lies with truth. You can too. And the moment that you recognize the lie, it becomes powerless. What we have done and what they still do down at the church house, and God bless them, we give power to that which has no power. And every time we do, it's because we put focus on it. We give it attention. And that's what I discovered. All of a sudden, I wasn't given, I wasn't given those evil forces that I spent 35, 40 years fighting shadow boxing when you shadow box your shadow will box as long as you want to box the shadow never wears out finally you just say i've, I've shadow boxed enough for this day and you go back doing what you were doing but you can come back the next day and shadow box all day long again and i have i have had a saturday night prayer meeting that was nothing but spiritual warfare binding come against casting down all that, all that. But the last few years, the last 15, oh, actually it was 20 years of ministry as I was teaching this mess, I didn't do that anymore. We didn't have that Saturday night prayer. And you know what? People grew by leaps and bounds because we were not focusing, not giving our attention to that which has no power and thereby relieving it of any power that we had given it. Darkness is a non-entity. All darkness is is a lack of light. As soon as you flick the switch, darkness has to go. It cannot stand. It cannot, it cannot fight the light. In the John chapter 1, verses 4 and 9, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then in verse 9, he said, I am the light that lights every man that comes into the world. I am the light of life. When, when, when the light comes, when the life enters, the death, the darkness, Everything contrary has got to exit stage left. It cannot stand unless you keep focusing on it. And this is what I have a hard time getting people to, to stop doing is focusing on the sickness, focusing on the poverty, focusing on the dilemma. Ponder it. Ponder there's, one, there's, only, there's only one power in my life. There's only one Lord in my life. <clears throat> there is no other. And that's what you think about. That's where you put your gaze on. That's where you put your focus. And as you do, I'm going to tell you, listen, 
when we recognize the lie by opposing it with the truth, the lie evaporates. The lie dissipates. You don't believe me? Try it in your life. Stop giving attention to your, your zeroed out checkbook. Start focusing on what the, the Father would say to you and where the Spirit of Truth would lead you to your prosperity, to your more than enough. I can't do that for you. I can only do it for me, and I have done it. I've done it. I, I, I've, I've used, and I, I probably need to go back and reteach some things on, on how we bring things from the invisible to the visible. But in order to do that effectively, you've got to stop empowering that which you see. We don't look at things that we see. They're temporary. We look at what we cannot see, and that's the truth. That is the light, and that's what we focus on, and that's what we follow. All right, point number three. If God is the substance of everything visible and everything invisible, if he is omnipresent, then there can be no lack of good substance any place in the universe. Now, that was a mouthful. If God is the substance of all things, let me read it to you from Scripture. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether they're be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. So he's, he is the master creator. Everything that any human will ever need has already been created. Now it's, now it's a matter of you and I bringing it out of, out of that invisible into the visible. It's already there. And what, is, what has stopped it is our focus on lack. Healing, healing for every human has already been, been fully vested. What has stopped it is our focus on sickness. Words of our mouth, meditation of our heart, of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. We keep ourselves in the same mess because we focus on it. We empower that which has no power. Poverty should not have power over you. I've come that you might have life, have it more abundantly. Poverty is not an abundant life. Sickness is not an abundant life. Depression is not an abundant life. Either Jesus lied or we have not tapped the right source yet. And I'm going to get into that last part of the teaching. And he is before all things. And in him, verse 17 says, and in him all things consist. All right. So again, that's omnipresent. You can't get out of that. In him all things consist. If that's true, then there can't be any lack of any good any place in the universe. It's his omnipresence. And in that omnipresence, there is no poverty, there's no sickness, there's no fear, there's no insecurity. If those things were in him, then he's not who he said he was. There's only one God, one power, there's one life, and what comes out of that tree of life is only good. Right, simplistically, I can say it like this. There should be nothing in your life that is not in heaven. I know we talk a lot about heaven. Heaven has been this far off place. No, it's within you. There should be nothing going on within you 
that is not in the heaven he's placed in you. All those negative forces have no power. They have no power. They have no power. They're nothingness. They're a lie. And when you bring the truth to the lie, the lie has to go. Now, let me make just a little shift right here. Let me bring some clarity. I think I'm teaching pretty good this morning. Let me bring some clarity. We've created the world system through the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God created the earth. And he created, what, what does the scripture, what does your book say? That the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all that dwell therein. He, he created the terra firma. But God did not create this jacked up system that we live in. Man, man created it. And he created it from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Through making choices that seemed right, seemed logical, never mind what God said. Never mind what the spirit of truth is prompting within us. We made decisions based on what we thought was good. Uh, we wanted to shun evil. Or in some cases, people wanted to embrace evil and, and push out the good. See, we created this whole mess. We created every system that has kept us in bondage and apart from living out the kingdom that is within us. You know, what the, you know what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil produces? It produces, now you can see where the corruption comes from. It produces me first, which means greed. What's, what's going to work for me? What's in my best interest? What's logical? How can I get all that I can get so that I can set some over here in case there's a shortage, nobody else can get it? See, that life is the tree of not saying what the Father says. The tree of life is the tree of saying what the Father says. It's a, the tree of doing what you see the Father do. It's the tree of responding to his voice from within. So this whole teaching this morning is about going within, which is where the truth is. And as you do, it exposes the lies. And when they're exposed, you focus on them no more, and they become powerless. Now, until man switches trees, and there are many that are beginning to beat a path from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to the tree of life, until we break out of the, the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil with all of its illusions, those illusions become our perception. And the perception becomes our reality. And the reality that we live in becomes our, our culture. When, when the fruit of the Spirit, when the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? when the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil tries to pull you in, like it did Jesus in the wilderness, turn those stones into bread, cast yourself down from the temple. I can give you everything you want. You don't need to go to the cross. That's logical. That's, that's, that's trying to, to go an easy way. Jesus didn't come to do an easy way. He came to do what the Father said. He said, I only do what the Father does. That's the tree of life. Until we come into that tree, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when it tries to pull you, be like Jesus. Immediately recognize it and relegate it to the position of nothingness and don't empower it by your focus and your attention. 
If I can get you to do that one thing this morning, if that, just that one thing breaks through to you, I've done a good job. You know, you know what seems good or evil to your, to your reasoning or based on what culture and what society says? Paul, Paul got it right. Paul was right up front about it. Romans chapter 12. I want to read these for you, and I'm not going to give you my, my paraphrase because I want to get it just like he did. It. Romans chapter 12 and verse, verse 1. Right? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Just let me read two verses. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So he's saying, you're probably going to need to repent here. I want you to bring your, your entire being, spirit, soul, and body, and I want you to come over and give it to the Father. Start, start listening to what he says. Start following uh, uh, what you see him do. Become sensitive. Live, live from the resources and the truth that is within you. That's where he resonates. And then he goes on to say in verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world. This world is a world. Notice he didn't say don't be conformed to the earth. He said the world, the systems, which have been created by man eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's got us in every, every government eats from that tree. Every government does what's best for them. Every people that follow and are hinged into that government do what's best for them. Make choices that seem right for me personally, my family. Bless me, us four no more. That's not, that's not the tree of life. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed out of it. How do you do that? You renew your mind and you prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God, that tree of life. You go to that tree of life, and what the tree of life says, you grab on to. Anything that you don't discern from the tree of life, you relegate to the, to the realm of nothingness. See, we, we have been so conformed to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We, we, we've been conformed in school. What's best for me? Courses I need to take. Don't listen to anybody. Uh, your family, your church, your culture, they have all ingrained you to pay a particular attention to your five physical senses. And then the data your five physical senses feeds to your brain becomes the basis upon which the tree of the knowledge of good and evil makes every decision. He says, be transformed out of that. Move out of that system. And when you do, you will experience freedom from the system. Back up just a couple chapters, Romans chapter 8. All right? Here's how it works. Here's what it looks like. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, the test, the acid test if you're in Christ Jesus is if you're living from the things that he's provided, the, the abundant life, the kingdom, the kingdom style of living from the tree of life. Who do not walk according to the flesh, the five physical senses, the wrong tree. That's where condemnation, you know where guilt condemnation comes from? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It comes up, you think you know what to do good, you don't do it, you feel condemned. There's no condemnation of those that are in Christ Jesus. Because we don't walk after that tree. 
We're not eating from that source. We render that source powerless. And as a result, we're free from condemnation. You don't have to fight condemnation. You don't have to come against that spirit, bind that spirit of condemnation. No, you simply need to turn and go the other direction. Here's the key. For the law of the spirit of life, the tree of life, that is in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death which comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Look, this thing's pretty simple. This thing's pretty simple. I like what Charles Stanley said. Didn't agree with a lot of Charles Stanley's theology, but he, he did say some good things. He said, obey God and leave the results to him. That's the life right there. The system of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil keeps you in condemnation. It keeps you in guilt. It keeps pumping lies to you all the time. The lie, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to measure up. God's not happy with you. You've missed your destiny. The vision that God had for your life, you're never going to live up to it. You're not worth a whole lot. I don't even know what you're going to make it to the end. See, the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus, the tree of life, frees us from that. Renew your mind, one God, one power. I'm tuned into that. And anything contrary, that's a deception. That's darkness. That's a non-entity. One God, one power, and he is the fullness. In his omnipresence, in your life of everything that is joyful, peaceful, now and forever. Again, the fruit of the Spirit. You're going to see that stuff start to grow because it's the character of the Father. It's, it's the fruit of the tree of life. That's where the abundant life lies. When the, when the lies of darkness try to enter, what do you do? Do you fight them? Do you push back? No. Shine the light on the darkness. And you relegate them to the realm of nothingness. Stop believing it. Stop empowering it. Stop confessing it. This is what Paul was driving at to get us to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What, what is the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? It's eating from the tree that Jesus did and rendering powerless and ineffective any force, any thought. You bring it down. You cast it down, imagination, anything that does not align itself with the character of the Father and what the Father speaks to you. So let me, let me encourage you. Think on these things. Meditate on this. Ponder this. And let the Spirit of truth reveal to you and renew your mind so that you can see Spirit and you live out of that source. Amen? Whoa. That was it. I backed the truck up this morning and dumped the whole load. Again, I encourage you, go back and listen to this because it's going to take some mental adjustment for you to not empower that which has no power. It's going to take a little adjustment for you when, when things are presenting themselves in circumstances that you're not pulled and sucked into it to think that's your reality, but it's not. Jesus didn't live in that reality, and you don't have to either. Amen? All right, we'll see you Wednesday night at the Secret Place. See you back next Sunday morning. Father, I just pray for every person that watches this, this um, teaching that you will open their eyes. The eyes of their understanding would fly open. 
that they might know what is good and acceptable and perfect in your sight, and that it will be lived out daily in their life. God bless every one of you. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for partnering with me. This is a marvelous journey, and we're, we've we got a target. We're going somewhere. Just stay with me every week, and we're going to get where God would like us to go. Amen. See you next time. Thanks for lending us your ears. Just a quick reminder. Our digital cathedral on YouTube gives subscribers the privilege of a front row seat every week. It's a place where our collective excitement amplifies. If you're ready to give, go to donkeithley.com and click on Donate. Your continuous support propels our growth, and for that, we're immensely grateful. Don't forget to hit that follow button and spread the love by sharing this life-giving message with your friends. Have a week filled with blessings and divine encounters. Until next time, stay in grace.